Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun, for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Alright, some games are alright, some games, of course, are good. Some games, though, are sent to greatness, whether it's a personal story, a cup final, a nail-biter, or a, in this case, a seven-goal humdinger. Every game has a great story. I am Jake from What If Football. Thank you very, very much for donating to this Patreon page. This is episode 25 of the Great Games podcast. We're delving into a Premier League classic today. Leeds... In their peak, Liverpool, somewhere close to their peak, 2007 goals. Let's get stuck in. And of course, you should know by now we are on Patreon. Five days a week, bookending the week with a what if weekly football column where we discuss the comings and goings of contemporary football, and in between, somewhere in between, we've got a Fine stable of podcasts on Tuesday, you can either have this, The Great Games Podcast, or a new series coming soon, Story of My Season, where we delve into one season from any one team from the annals of history. On Wednesday, we'll be pitting two things together, be it in our combined 11, very clickbaity there, of um, could be um, contemporary football, could be nostalgic football, but our first episode of that is dropping Tomorrow it is Chelsea versus Spurs current day, of course. Or we uh, pit two things together in the head-to-head podcast last week. For example, Don Revy versus Brian Clough, of course. Thursday we delve into your what-if scenarios in our mailbag. And through Wednesday we also do a football manager article. A football manager what-if on the uh, 
on the old Patreon as well there, but um, lots of things, lots of options. And uh, thank you very much for donating. We are, of course, also on the Spot Social Podcast Network every Wednesday with the What If Football Podcast, be it the Naughties, Barclays, a new series which we'll reveal soon, and um, ranked as well. So we'll, uh, we're there every Wednesday, anywhere where you get your podcasts. But today it's the Great Games Podcast. It is Leeds, it is Liverpool, it's 2000, and this is... If you could boil one game down to peak Barclays 21st century, this is absolutely it. And if you do listen to the Barclays, the podcast, which we sometimes do there on the uh, podcast feed, you'll know of Leeds' plight trying to follow the league title won by Howard Wilkinson in 1992. They got precisely zero away wins in the 1992-3 season and finished aggressively mid-table, almost at some point, potentially maybe dragging themselves into a relegation fight. It showed how really great that the Everton, the Arsenal, the Liverpool teams were in the 80s in following up success. Maybe only Liverpool out of those three ever actually retained a title, but Everton always came back when they won the title in 85, they won it in 87. When Arsenal won it in 89, they came back in 91. All of which, of course, had fantastic managers. Howard Wilkinson, of course, likewise. But Leeds just could not live with new money in terms of Blackburn and Newcastle. They couldn't live with Manchester United's resurgence under Alex Ferguson as well. They would bounce back, though, but never truly, never really to the heights that they actually were in the uh, the last first division. You finish fifth back-to-back in 94 and 95. Tony Yeboah will come in, score a few thunder bastards. Uh, one of them against Liverpool, actually, in the mid-90s. But it did get... Um, the, I think the main, the main thing was Eric Cantona leaving. I mean, they were on a slide before he left anyway, but it kind of tipped them over the edge. And it took it took Leeds a while to get over that. The David Rowcastle signing famously did not work, and he would go to Chelsea quickly after. David Batty left, Gordon Strachan gets old and leaves as well. And signings like Carlton Palmer, Brian Dean, that, that that sounded good on paper, that to be fair looked good on paper as well, didn't particularly work as intended. You've got the only real signings that I could, that I could really say from the early Premier League days from Leeds United that were a success were Tony Yeboah and Lucas Radaby in um, it's at centre-half there. They do have a final to speak of in 1996, like today's opponents, but like today's opponents, it's in a losing effort to Aston Villa in the League Cup, Liverpool, of course, losing famously in the FA Cup to Manchester United. Leeds would do Monaco in the in that year's UEFA Cup as well with a ton of your boa hat-trick, but they would miss out um, the following round in round two. Um, another sign that looks good on paper, Thomas Brolin signed, flops dramatically, scores one goal with his face and um, see you later. <laughs> That's it pretty much. And finally, finally, in the, in the mid-90s, the, the late 90s, you see a raft of academy talent coming through. You've got Gary Kelly, you've got... Harry Kuehl, Ian Hart. They do finish 13th in the 95-96 season and a poor start does end. Howard Wilkinson's successful tenure at the start of the 96-97 season, bringing in, of course, serial winner from Arsenal, George Graham. A bit of a tumultuous time. You've got league winners in Gary Speed and Gary McAllister both leaving and obviously with that experience as well. But you've got Nigel Martin coming in. You've got Lee Bowyer as well from the... uh, 
well, not from the youth setup, but he's coming in as a young player. They come in and are a success. Um, and it is the, the trying to replace that experience with your Ian Rushes, your Lee Sharps as well. Um, it doesn't really work towards the back end of Rush's career. Lee Sharps probably in his peak, sort of mid-90s, but never really. It's the heights they had done at Manchester United. They finished 11th, they finished 5th. Good cup showings as well, to be fair, um, but notably 97-98, Peter Ridsdale comes into the fold. George Graham, though, would leave us with um, Jimmy Hasselbank, introduces us to him in the Premier League, and what a forward he was, um, winning the Golden Boot in 98-99 for Leeds. And the likes of Paul Robinson, Jonathan Woodgate are promoted. Leeds are top of the Premier League, though, in... Um, 98-99 for the first time in their history, which seems really bizarre when they'd won the league title in 92, but they'd never actually fin- they'd never actually been top for any determinate amount of time in the uh, subsequent six years. And when they fin- when they are top, we're well, not finished top, but when they are top early on in the season, George Graham leaves for Spurs, um, bizarrely after Christian Gross gets sacked um, in North London. But uh, here though, Leeds, yes, they are successful to an extent, but... What once was an early Ferguson side, you've got money from Jack Walker and John Hall in Blackburn and Newcastle, respectively. In 98-99, you've got better teams. You've got treble winners, Manchester United, double winners from 98, Arsenal. And David O'Leary, obviously, there's a, a giant chasm. The Premier League has taken its toll on the rest of the Premier League. You've got a top two now um, from the... Uh, Obviously, the great coaching of Arsene Wenger and obviously money attached to that, especially if uh, Manchester United does help them sort of cast themselves adrift from the other 18 teams, so to speak. But Leeds, thanks to that third place being up for grabs, they finish in the Champions League spots in the 99-2000 season. And But to be fair, they were earmarked as Man United's closest contenders, but they did drop away. And that is, to be fair... Um, Third was a very good achievement for Leeds in 2000, considering the the blend of youth and experience was probably more erring to the side of youth, Smith, Boyer, Kewell, etc., Woodgate. I mean, there's a lot of youth in there. Very, very, very good young players, but maybe they could have added a, one or two experienced players, which of course they did try to do, but they just never did work. I think they do get that mix of spending and youth a, a bit better as we go along. Danny Mills, Michael Dubris added, um, Michael Bridges, Jason Wilcox, Darren Hook a bit. It is, it is rather, it is rather lopsided towards the front end of the pitch. You would see the likes of Robbie Fowler coming, Robbie Keane, for example. But that's for the other side of the match, as we know, um, after uh, what is a doomed spell for Leeds United. But... That was mainly cash nail on the Hasselbank sale to Atletico Madrid. Of course, he'd come back to Chelsea, but he was, sale, he was sold for £12 million. So in essence, their net spend in the 99-2000 season was only £5 million, which was a fair amount in 2000, let's be real. Um, it's not destroying your club type of cash. Um, it's not um, fighting relegation type of clash either. It's sort of where probably where they were uh, for the team that they were then. And then the following season, Olivia Decor comes in to shore up that midfield, something they definitely needed. You've got Dominic Matteo coming in from Liverpool. Um, Jonathan Woodgate needed a, a steady hand next to him. Uh, central defence, of course, back up as well for Lucas Radaby, who's getting on a bit by that point. But, of course, the focus of today's show, Mark Viduka comes in. This is when, this is not, this is not like, 
this isn't stupid spending. It's a fair whack, but for a Champions League club, I think it's on a par with what you'd expect from a Champions League club. It's the money that takes place after this match in this season where you start to think, okay, um, maybe we're on a bit of a downward slope, bit of a risky situation here. But Leeds' opponents today are Liverpool. Now, in the Premier League era, they started off with Graeme Souness, of course, after Kenny Dalglish resigned in between the first and second replays of the Everton 4-Liverpool 4 game from 1991. And for more on that, check out our Great Games podcast from a couple of weeks back. Graeme Souness tried to change the culture a bit too much, tried to drag them into, well, late 20th century, a bit too quick from the old boot room days where we've seen Shankly, Paisley, Fagan, then later Dalglish. I think this was really the shock to the system after Shankly's huge dynasty building that um, we'd seen after the the resignation slash retirement of Arsene Wenger Sir Alex Ferguson. This was Liverpool finally having that slump period where if Shankly hadn't been backed up by a Paisley, a Fagan from the boot room and then pass it down to their best player, Dalglish, if they didn't have that, perhaps you would have the the slump, not in the early 90s, but in the mid-70s and early 80s. And who knows what, what that life would have been like in terms of English football, etc. Um, and it does speak a lot to Shankly in how omniscient he was in terms of preparing his succession by aligning himself with two fantastic coaches. Two coaches, although despite Shankly's greatness and is probably the best manager Liverpool ever had in terms of turning them from a second division team into, you know, preparing themselves for the European Cup. It was Paisley and Fagan who win the four first European Cups between 77 and 84. And um, from Graham Souness and his... Um, Doom spell, especially after giving an interview to the Sun, for example, two years on from Hillsborough. Um, not the best idea, um, but not entirely his complete fault. Completely, anyway. But I mean, still, you wouldn't do it, would you? He's succeeded by Roy Evans. Tries to experiment as well. Plus three at the back at times. Um, the Spice Boys come in as they were pejoratively known. Um, probably came a bit too. Probably came a few years too early, really, if you'd have combined the likes of McAteer, McManaman, and Fowler in with the, the lads that were sort of coming through the late 90s. Liverpool really would have had a team. And um, if they'd have been coached on Gerard Houllier, who comes in the late 90s in this sort of bizarre 50-50 split that he and Evans had, Liverpool really would have had something. I think they would have been what we see, what leads are, and probably a bit more with the added umph of their history. And... Um, everything that comes with that. Um, and what we are here after Ryan's leaves, we've got Jared Houllier's second full season in charge. We've got a fantastic team for Liverpool. We've got the likes of Michael Owen. We've got Jamie Carrey, we've got Stephen Gerrard. The second sort of, sort of evolution of that uh, academy stars coming through, you do have McAteer, um, McManaman, and they've all gone by now. Fowler's still in there, but you do have, thanks to injuries and certain things, you've got to know Gerard Noahwim. Heskey's leading the line, for example, another huge signing, to be fair. A bit like what Leeds were doing as the money gets ramped up as we enter the 21st century, because this is October, this is November the 4th, 2000. And after this short break, we'll be going to Elland Road 22 years ago now. 
I feel old. Um, 22 years ago now for Leeds, four, Liverpool, three. After this, short break. In the white corner, Paul Robinson, Gary Kelly, Dominic Matteo, Jonathan Woodgate, Ian Hart, Lee Boyer, Eric Backer, Olivier Decor, Jacob Burns, Mark Viduka and Alan Smith. In the red corner of Liverpool, Sander Vesterveld, Jimmy Carragher, Marcus Babel, Sammy Herpia, Christian Zieger, Patrick Berger, Gary McAllister, Dietmar Hamann, Danny Murphy, Vladimir Schmitzer and the big man up top, Emil Heskey. So we do have Michael Owen out. We do have Robbie Fowler comes on from the bench, as does Stephen Gerrard, as does Nicky Barmby as well. And you can tell it's an early kickoff at Elland Road just by watching it because the blinding light at Elland Road for all those early kickoffs, I think sometimes even when Man United came, it was an 11.30 kickoff. You could not see shit. It was unbelievable. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It was like a nuclear disaster in uh, Beeston there. <laughs> and uh, these that kind of like, that glare I often associate with them white strongbow shirts that Leeds used to wear with the new Vodafone shirts that Man United used to wear and particularly the, with this game David Ellery is officiating which means we are firmly in peak Barclays territory all you need now is Roy Keane to have an absolute Barney with him don't you but uh, alas Manchester United are in this game but they are top of the Premier League after 11 games alongside Arsenal on 24 points the pair of them Liverpool can go joint top there on 21 points in third, but then all the way down to 10th, we go to Liverpool, but they are only six behind Liverpool and they have a game in hand. So essentially a Leeds win here effectively has them level if they can win that game in hand. The battle for what is now fourth place, firmly alive and well. We've got in between the pair, we've got Leicester, we've got Ipswich, we've got Chelsea, Aston Villa, Newcastle and Sunderland. Some very surprising names there. Ipswich would, of course, finish fifth. Sunderland had another great season, finishing seventh. Villa would fall away. Chelsea were sort of perpetually sixth, it seemed, in between the uh, the Viali Hullet days and the Mourinho days. And Leicester would fall off a cliff. They had a fantastic start, but would fall off a cliff. So you've got, essentially, really, what you were expecting is Chelsea... And Liverpool and Leeds to fight for that top spot. Of course, Newcastle would come good um, in the end, really. And so we have a 4-4-2. So again, peak Barclays. 
442 deployed by Leeds. Liverpool shapes a bit too dif- bit, bit more difficult to discern. I know Vladimir Smisa sometimes plays out wide, sometimes plays as a second striker, but it is more almost a 4411. I mean the numbers almost don't matter. You've got it was Smisha really in a in a free role rather. Carriger is sometimes a bit lopsided as well, because Carriger around this time he'd not he'd not really got the confidence of the management to play centre half. He's more of a defensive fullback in this age, which does work for, for Liverpool, really, because Christian Ziga bombs on and is one of the finer players for Liverpool in this match. You've got Patrick Berger on the left, who does tuck in a little bit to allow Ziga's runs, and it's really here, 2000 here we're discussing. This sounds a lot like Italy 2021, really, doesn't it? With the It, all, it doesn't become a three at the back. You've got Jamie Carragher's very... He doesn't tuck in, he's more along the line so it is it does need that little bit of a nudge that little bit of an evolution to get to Italy in uh, 2021 and the midfield is a bit more static than uh, than Italy's was but it's the same sort of ideas and you can see where where we come to here in 2021 with sort of like a lopsided defense where a four becomes a three and Christian Zieger he's pretty much a wing back and that become that comes from German clubs were playing three at the back at the time obviously a product of Germany product of um, the Euro 96 winning squad of course as well Playing one man up top has not a lot of teams tended to do at that point. You've got Emil Heskey, famously a well, almost a second striker with Owen, isn't he? Really in the in these days, but he's been tasked to do it all on his own, which means he's, he has to have a lot of high energy, running into the channels, and instantly causes leads problems, wins a foul sort of on the right hand channel from the resulting free kick. Of course, Sammy Herpia's header, bang, and it's one nil within like 70, 80 seconds of the game. And uh, Liverpool continuing this great record against Leeds, it seemed. They'd not lost to Leeds for two years. Last one was November 98, losing at Anfield 3-1, when Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank bagged a brace. Alan Smith scored the other one, and they'd not lost to Elland Road, bizarrely, since August 95 with... um, a peach from uh, Tony Yeboah, a volley, which obviously hits the crossbar about 73 times before going in <laughs> that type of goal. And um, to be fair, on the Liverpool side, Heskey was looking very, very dangerous. Um, Jonathan Woodgate um, comes off after 15 minutes, but his last great contribution is a, a last-ditch tackle, um, which Emil Heskey would have gone through, no doubt. In the form he was in around this time, he would have stuck it away. Um, Leeds couldn't get out there. It was all Liverpool in the first well, half an hour really, not had a chance um, before 2-0. Woodgate comes off inside 15 minutes for Danny Hay. And obviously the narrative here is around the time when he and um, Lee Boyer are in court for a free and um, that decision would come to a head later on this year. So there's a lot of discussion on the commentary. The full game's available on YouTube, which is absolutely fantastic for me. Um, their future for England, of course, both were pushing for England places around this time as young players and, of course, at Leeds as well. Their future has been discussed on commentary and whether or not Woodgate was in the right frame of mind or not, he couldn't tell whether he was injured. Uh, it was quite unclear. Um, but the tackle, the final act that he had, it, it, well, perhaps where he got injured, who knows, um, was a fantastic tackle. And obviously, potentially, um, the difference between three points and zero almost so in this Leeds lineup, we've got Jacob Burns only three weeks into his into his senior leagues career. You've got that continued sort of inexperience. You've got a few more places I think need to be filled, and it, I think that does infer Leeds' spending for the remainder of the season, which we'll get onto a lot later on. And 
in 80 minutes, it does turn Liverpool 2-0. Christian Ziga, um, another three-kick, this time from the left, gives Leeds the goal. Gary McAllister, of course, former Leeds, great. Crosses it in, Christian Ziga, free header, um, carbon copy, just mirrored and Leeds are 2-0 down, not created much of anything or at all. Liverpool looking absolutely dominant, had had a fantastic start to the season, let's not forget um, potentially first title surge in a decade almost, you would uh, you would say really. And the first chance to Leeds comes a few minutes later, which um, was similarly from a free kick. Although despite the, the fluidity of both teams, every single close chance coming from set pieces, um, and Alan Smith's header here goes high and wide. Gary Kelly, I felt, in the first quarter of the match was the only one in white who covered himself in glory and was probably, um, aside from the obvious, uh, Leeds' best player on the day. Um, and scoring his first of four that day is uh, Mark Viduka, gifted his first goal on 24 minutes, really. Christian Zegu had a great game so far and did continue to have a great game. A poor clearance by by the German goes to Mark Viduka. Fantastic touch, to be fair, just clips it over Vesterveld. 2-1, game on. Uh, Mark Viduka is putting himself about a bit, a bit like Emil Heskey, really getting into the channels and um, causing himself a bit of a nuisance. But when we get to half-time, Liverpool, they had a really good first half, a very, very good first half. And to be fair, probably on the face of the full 90 minutes, probably played the better of the two teams. They didn't really deserve to concede, but after... After Ian Hart's free kick, which is headed off the onto the base of the post by Gary McAllister, it could have been 2-2 and Leeds hadn't really had too many chances. So Liverpool needed to go out and get those goals in the second half just to kill off Leeds because they, they always looked a bit dangerous, but they were just never there was never the volume of chances that Leeds had compared to Liverpool. The, the game was absolutely frantic. It was like the um, Liverpool-Everton game that we discussed a few weeks back. The midfield really did help Leeds out. Um, there's nobody tucking in from the Leeds midfield. Of course, Jacob Burns is quite a bit inexperienced, but young. Um, I think it's only second or third game for Leeds. Second or third start, anyway. Um, the midfield numbers are 4-2-3-1. We're seeing the the uh, the positives of that system against what is a rigid 4-4-2 of Leeds here, because Liverpool just controlled the game. Heskey was always an out ball. You've got Ziga bombing on on the left, arguably Liverpool's best player, but... 55 seconds into the second half, Mark Viduka gets his second goal of the game. The eighth Premier League goal in five games. Absolutely fantastic. Start to life in West Yorkshire for uh, the Australian. Um, Gary Kelly, who I said had a magnificent game, gets the assist here. Finally getting forward. It's the first time in the game that he really had a chance to uh, get forward and produce a cross, which is stunning. And Viduka duly obliges, equalising Liverpool despite this goal, despite the start that Leeds had to the second half, were holding their own. And it's just these individual errors that keep creeping in. Ziegas in the first half that leads to the first goal. You've got Vesterveld with an absolutely dodgy touch in the second second half, which almost allows Viduka in for a hat-trick. Um, but Jamie Carragher's on the line to stop it going in. And again, what seems like a match-winning save there, especially a quarter of an hour on as Vladimir Schmitzer. The checks bounce into action. Patrick Berger with a drag back. Perfect Vladimir Schmitzer touch. Drags it into the far corner. Liverpool 3-2 up. And um, Liverpool continued. It almost didn't matter as if the goal, the goals didn't matter towards the overall complexion of the game. Both teams absolutely going for it. 
Leeds' presence, though, compared to the first half, had grown. Um, Liverpool, they didn't seem faced by conceding goals and um, being pegged back from 2-0 up to 2-2. They just kept going at it, to be fair to them. And then at 3-2, they bring on Gerard and Fowler, which you think that's a cheat, if ever I saw it, compared to Leeds' bench, of course. Um, bringing Danny Hay on. They didn't utilise um, all three subs because there wasn't too much of um, too much quality on the bench, unfortunately, for Leeds. But it didn't matter. Uh, despite all the substitutions, Leeds and Liverpool, to be fair, creating chance after chance. Leeds, uh, they go close from Olivier Decor, gets a chance blocked. But then the Frenchman sets up the equaliser. Viduka with an absolutely stunning pirouette, turns Patrick Berger inside out, injures him, in fact. Um, twist his ankle in the six-yard box and Viduka slides one in. Goal nine in five Premier League games for the Australian in off the post. And it didn't take too long for the uh, seventh and final goal of this match and Viduka with his tenth in five games. And it shouldn't have really counted. Um, don't want to be one of them. But if VAR was in, it's a 3-3 game. Um, Olivier Decor, um, a P-roller of a shot, and it is a shot, finds Viduka about a yard offside. But the composure, the the touch is absolutely superb. It's a shot. He touches it just delicately enough with his left foot and it takes it about two yards in front of him. Viduka deliciously chips it over. Vesterveld, Carriger's flailing on the back post, flying limbs everywhere. Nothing he could do about it, unfortunately. Flies in 4-3. And I've got to say it's... In terms of Premier League four goals, four goal hauls, it's probably at the top. Mark Viduka's is on a par with the likes of our Shavin against Liverpool in 2009, Suarez against Norwich in 2013. Good mention for Oli Solskjaer against Forest in 99, four in 10 minutes there. Um, you've got over four goal hauls that I can remember that could vaguely. Jekyll um, had a good one against Spurs, Aguero again against Spurs as well, uh, Thierry Henry. Uh, Son Hyung Min against um, Southampton 2020 as well. Uh, Thierry Henry's came against Leeds at the back end of their time in the Premier League as well. I seem to think um, Genie Wijnaldum scored four in one game against Norwich. Was it 6-1 or a 6-2? Something like that. Um, yeah, another good uh, four-goal haul there. But Viduka's, I think, definitely ranks. And it's a 4-3 match against a huge club as well. A very competitive fixture. I think Viduka's has to be on top, especially when you score all of your club's goals. You have to be, you have to be at the top of that list, really. And after this short break, we'll take a look at the futures of both Leeds and Liverpool. We referenced the spending by Leeds United during the throughout the podcast here, and the season. Obviously, this is before transfer windows, so you can spend whatever you like up until about April or late March. Thirty million British pounds is spent. Obviously, this is the season leads are in the Champions League. So they've got that Champions League money, but this is beyond that. They're flailing a little bit. They need to get into that top four, top three, top four, top three is, yeah. Um, they need desperately um, to spend money to, in order to get into that Champions League spots, which is eventually filled by Liverpool. Rio Ferdinand and Robbie Keane are brought in. Rio Ferdinand, 18 million. Robbie Keane, 12 million. They do have some great nights along the way. Let's not forget Valencia semi-final, you've got Alan Smith in Rome against Lazio, you've got Dominic Matteo with the winning goal, it's the uh, San Siro as well. But that that, that is probably the, the post-Don Revy height of Leeds, really, and they're relegated in 2004, they lose the likes of Gary Kelly, 
they, they, they only have Gary Kelly, Lucas Radaby and Eric Backer from this successful time. They cycle through like Peter Reed, Terry Venables, Eddie Gray as manager and really only did return to prominence when they're galvanised by Marcello Bielsa and probably still would be in the AFL if he wouldn't have come along and taken the job, let's be honest. And um, around now, they are probably slightly underachieving in this season. They've probably slightly overachieved last season and probably about mid-table if you do a levelling out process over the two seasons they've had back in the Premier League. And um, in terms of the back room side of things with Victor Alta coming in with potentially some huge investment coming in and the expansion of Elland Road. This, the uh, the future is only bright and you'd say post Risdale, they're not going to, they have learned from their mistakes and they're not going to do anything like that again with um, the likes of Seth Johnson, the people that definitely uh, get earmarked. I think it's their fault. It's Leeds' fault, isn't it, for uh, spending money on the transfers and the wages. It's certainly not, I certainly wouldn't reject the kind of money that they were being offered. Um, so... It's, it's the uh, the management really that uh, should take the brunt of that. But four years, three years from a Champions League semi final to relegation, unfortunately for Leeds. But the the uh, damage that was caused through the vociferous spending was um, was only recovered sixteen years on, which is quite phenomenal, really. Liverpool though they went in the exact opposite direction. Jared Hulier. They had, you had your succession of the Spice Boys, Gerard, Gerard Carragher and, uh, and Owen there. And in a mix of the the purchasing, the Stefan Hentra, the Sammy Herpia and Emil Heskey, the Premier League form is really quite patchy, but I think it's competitive enough in a in a Premier League top six in at the end of this season, really. You do have a double over Man United, a double over Everton, of course. They beat Arsenal. A 4-0 win at Charlton completes this quest for finally returning to the Champions League after um, the final in 1985 of the European Cup. And finally, obviously, you get Leeds' downfall from this. And you do have Liverpool. You get into the Champions League, they don't really do much. They get to the quarterfinals, lose to... They lose to Bayer Leverkusen, but... In terms of this season, the 2000-2001 season, it will go down as one of the best for um, for Liverpool, really. The treble, a treble, it might not happen if not for uh, for two extra time wins in the League Cup, a, a win over Chelsea in round three, a 3-0 win over Fulham in the quarterfinals of that cup. And they only lose twice on this 25-game cup odyssey. One is the first leg away at Sellers Park in the League Cup, the second, of course, against Roma. And... The, the UEFA Cup run doesn't seem to get remembered as, as well as it ought to, really. Roma had a fantastic team in the 2000-2001 season, a, a league-winning season from Roma for them. you got Porto and Barcelona beaten in the knockout phases, don't concede a single goal in the four games against them. Obviously, they do ship four goals to Alaves in Dortmund in probably the craziest um, Europa League final, UEFA Cup final ever, but they do score five. They do have off the back of going into that, they do have the FA Cup win. They do have the League Cup win of a of a Birmingham City. You got the Owen final. Slightly fortunate there with Stefan Honcho handball, but you know you like to think they even themselves over the course of the season. But um, when that takes place in an FA Cup final and you lose and you win two one as opposed to losing two 0 and having ten men, I mean nothing can really level that out, can it? Um, 
But Liverpool, the the sort of don't qualify for the Champions League again under Julia. Um, as I said, quarterfinals to Bayer Leverkusen. You've got Rafael Benitez coming in. They'd played good football, Liverpool under Julia, but by 2004, it clearly they'd run the course the team had to. Michael Owen leave for Real Madrid coming the other way. Rafael Benitez brings in the Spanish lads after winning the UEFA uh, Cup and the league in 04 with Valencia. Steven Gerrard, by this point, has become one of the most valuable players in the Premier League, definitely for Liverpool. Carragher becomes the former Premier League centre-half for a time, and this is in an age of Campbell, Terry, Ferdinand as well. Ricardo Cavallo, you could say... Um, You've got the superb Knights in the very first season of Rafa's time there. The, the night in Olymp- against Olympiacos with Steven Gerrard goal in the last minute. You've got the miracle of Istanbul and a, and a fifth Champions League title. Back home, you really... I think Liverpool were one of these teams that were a Champions League team. They were better in Europe. And I think this is over the course of really their history. They're better in the European Cup um, potentially than they are in the Premier League certainly in the Premier League era they'd get to the final in 2007 in Athens against AC Milan they would mount a title challenge for me for the first time since the early 90s now they finished second in 2002 um, I'm not counting that really as a title challenge because Man United were the title challengers there and they fell away dramatically in the last month or so to finish third so for the first time really in a generation, the talent challenging for the title, but that would become a bit temporary because it would be Rafa Benitez's penultimate season. You've got financial woes, Hicks and Gillette. Failure to qualify for the Champions League in 2010 ensures Rafael Benitez would leave. And then finally through um, Brendan Rodgers and tried to make them dream, Jurgen Klopp ultimately did in the later part of the 2010s, winning title number six in Europe and title number 19 in England. And there we have it. Next week, we'll be doing another Great Games podcast. Episode 26, another Premier League classic. Now, this doesn't sound like too much of a classic on paper, but my God, it was. Portsmouth versus Reading from the 2007-08 season. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, Sibby. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.